Hello and welcome to Off The Record episode 2.3.5 or what I like to call Off The Record Raw. What we're doing here is if you listen to last week's episode, we did an in-depth look at van robberies. I thought it might be cool since a lot of you really responded and this has been one of our most successful episodes. I thought it could be nice for you to hear more of the stories of what happened. And I thought these interviews were really good that our contributors did. So what I did here is this is each of the interviews we did to put together the pieces. These interviews were done by our contributors, Matthew Lighton, Dana Riandler, and Chase Tremaine and one by myself. I've arranged them in order of which ones sound clearer, so I know we had some problems with Skype as everybody does doing interviews on them, so if the audio quality gets too much for you, you can pretty much give up because they each get worse as they go. Anyway, here they are. I hope you enjoy this thing. We'll, we'll be doing this from time to time. I feel like we got some really good interviews that I had to cut a little bit short, and I thought there was other good stuff from, but might not fit in the context of an episode. Enjoy, and here's Chris from Go Deep. The police do basically nothing. They, uh, you know, they have, I think, more more opinions than anything. They just tell you all the things that you did wrong, and they, you know, make their comments. And uh, they didn't. They actually did not help us a single bit. The one thing that actually helped us was social media. Huh. Uh, and so how so? They so. Uh, you know, we put together a Tumblr post and it exploded because I think the the reality was that we had like a sob story. Uh, you know, we had been recording, so we had nine guitars rather than just like the two guitars, you know, that a band would have. So remind me again, so I can put this in the narrative, uh, you guys <clears throat> were playing shows on the way back or not? Yeah, yeah. So we, we toured out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were actually away from home for like six months, six to seven months. Uh, we toured out to L.A., stayed in L.A. for three months, lived in the van, wrote the record, recorded it, and then left and toured home. And we toured through Canada on the way back. Gotcha. As soon as we got out of Canada, we went to Chicago, and then that was a week out from the end of our like big journey. Uh, and that's where that happened. Uh, Which uh, so one of the kids made a chart of all the band robberies he's been going through. Yeah. Property Zach, Absolute Punk, uh, Blabbermouth. Yeah. Chicago's Chicago and Atlanta are num- neck and neck for number. Chicago one. and who? Atlanta. Oh okay, yeah. Neck and St. Louis, I would assume. St. Louis seems like it's getting more popular, yeah. but like if you go historically, yeah. it's not as bad. But yeah, there, there's a great article. Did you see this two cow garage thing? They that got robbed. The, they got robbed the night we were in St. Louis playing. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, um, but they had the same thing that that band uh, Houston Calls had. Is they found it on eBay and that's how yeah. they found it. So. Well, we actually had that happen as well on a separate occasion. Okay, so and, we got to get that. In okay. There. <laughs> okay, so go back to the story. How the police handle it. Okay, so uh, you know the police come by. You know, oh, the van's been stolen. Blah blah blah. And, uh, you know, they bring us to the precinct and we fill out paperwork and then they put us in touch with a detective for the next day. We talk to the detective and they just seem completely clueless. Like, it, it was really strange, uh, but we were coming up with all the ideas of how to find stuff. 
You know, they had like one idea that was just the obvious thing they apply to every situation. And then for us, we were like, well, let's try this. So I did this. And they were just not responsive at all. Uh, almost like they didn't have the time. And we, with the amount of stuff that we had lost, we were just, it's like disheartening. You know, you, you lose so much and then the police don't give a shit. And then you just kind of accept that, you know? So we just started working on our own, on our own time, you know? And the Tumblr post and Facebook post got reposted so many times that it it just got around to where someone posted it and that person happened to drive by the van on their way home from work. You know, Joe, actually, Joe Lifeline Records. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, a friend of mine, Paul, uh, called us and was like hey uh my buddy's looking at your van right now he's standing outside it and we were like what you know they, he put us in touch and then we went over there and uh what's actually amazing about the whole police involvement is that you know we went there called the detectives and told them they're like oh great call you know call like have a officer go over there it took like you know two to three hours uh, actually, news station, a news station got there before us, or before uh, <laughs> the before the police did. Oh my god! Uh, they wanted to like interview us, and uh, and they supposedly, you know, were registering like, oh, okay, this vehicle has been found, and then later we find out that uh, no, that was never put in. It's still marked as stolen. So we're driving this vehicle <laughs> around that's marked as stolen. So we go to the police station tell them hey you guys have this marked as stolen we have it we found it you know you did nothing and then we did all the paperwork again and it is still marked as stolen oh god like so later like uh you know we were in chicago for a few days trying to find our stuff and you know two three days later we found out that it still had just never been fixed. So, to you know, to this day, it's very possible that Chicago still thinks our van has been stolen <laughs> and never God. recovered. So it became, like, comedic how unhelpful they were. Like, yeah. Sadly, that's everybody we've talked to so yeah. far. Is, um, that's that's the... I'm sure that's going to be my master cut. Yeah, everybody yeah. saying how bad the cops <laughs> were. Oh. Oh. I just don't care, you know. It's... They, they chalk it up as a loss, and mm. for them, they – I think that they gauge things more on, like, what are the actual chances of catching these people at minimum work. And so with that, if they don't think it's possible, they're just like, no, oh, I'm not going to waste time on this. Gotcha. So as far as money you got, uh, people send you donations? Yeah, it was pretty unreal. Uh, so, about what percentage covered what was lost of anything you got? Uh, we lost, I think, about a little over 30000 worth oh of God. equipment. That's three times as much as the average. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was really bad. Uh, you know, we... Uh, Danny and I, the drummer, you know, producer, he 
we we were living in the van for three months and we had everything that we owned practically so you know we lost you know all those stupid extra things that you you forget that you bought five years ago that's annoying you know when, when you lose your headphones you're like oh annoying i've spent forty dollars when you lose every single one of those things you really feel it you know on top of your instruments i had just paid off a brand new guitar you know brand it was like two thousand dollar guitar oh. so it was like it was really brutal uh but but we actually recovered like a pretty amazing amount i mean I think close to like 10 grand. Wow. So it was, you know, we were not expecting that. And it, and people donated equipment to us as well, you know, that mm. we, we are still using. That was like a, a really amazing thing, you know. So we canceled a week of shows and then we ended up going home in time for our hometown show, uh, which didn't feel... It did. I mean, it just didn't feel good. We were playing instruments that were not our own instruments. We were all tired and just uh, fairly broken. But you know, we did it, and we had the equipment to do so. So that was uh, pretty nice. Um. So I imagine though the answer to the question of do you ever really recover is no. Uh, do you ever really recover? It. Yeah, I mean. I think you do. I think it's just like any other emotional experience in your life. You know, you you go through your first breakup, your first bad breakup, and yeah, you recover, but you never forget it. There's still there's still some trauma. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, cautious. there's there's a lot. There's there's going to be some stuff buried there. You know, for forever. But I think that anything that is that is uh, a monetary situation, you can recover from. You know, or I would hope that you can recover from much easier than someone getting hurt or, you know, a permanent injury. That's just like a totally different world. So that's what, that's like kind of the, the weird conflicting feeling about the whole situation is like, you know, you get all this sympathy, but in reality it is a, a money situation, which I just hate. Yeah. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, you know, Danny, we had lost stuff that we had recorded. So that was like a a kind of bigger loss to us. You know, we had just recorded the Go Deep record mm -hmm. and, you know, we had mixes and masters for three songs, vocal tracks for the entire record, um, albeit some were rough, but, you know, some were like the take and feedback tracks for everything mm -hmm. for the whole record. And we lost all that and we had to redo it all, which is, just, you know, annoying. But So about what portion of the record did you lose? Um, I mean, we had to start from scratch for mixing, which was, mm -hmm. you know, was a, was a thing. Yeah, that was a, that was a thing. And then, uh, vocal record, uh, vocal tracks. And then, uh, there's, there's, a an acoustic, like one take that we set up and, and we recorded in LA, uh, and we were we were pretty happy with it and that we lost that was like for me i was i was pretty bummed about that but uh really the worst was danny had his project that has you know has yet to see the light of day and it was his kind of like solo project and he uh had been working on it for like six years 
tracking, you know, slowly tracking, writing, doing the, the vocals. And he played everything on it. Uh, and it was like kind of this like massive, beautiful sounding record. And he lost the whole fucking thing because it was on like three hard drives. Yeah. And they took all the hard drives. So yeah, the sad thing is, is yeah, that's the thing is that you're taught like, but you be redundant, but really, it's also you gotta be redundant and have it in different places. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad. I mean, I, yeah. I, I I take home my drives. Uh-huh. I have a shifting situation where I bring it, one of them home for everything I'm doing now because things like that. Sucks. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy, and uh, you know, everyone everyone's gonna have their opinions on what you should have done. Obviously, yeah. it should have been backed up online, and you know. <laughs> it's really expensive backup online. Yeah, it, I mean that's the, that's the fact of the matter. It's, yeah, I, I I actually like I don't even impart that. It's, yeah, like it's yeah. it's too much money, and it's also a cost that lasts forever. <laughs> True. Like yeah. Amazon, uh, I what do you call it? A cloud locker is lovely, but you're paying ten cents a month for every record, and like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not up for that. Yeah, yeah, it definitely uh, it definitely adds up. But I can tell you that we are paying that now. Are you? Yeah. No. <laughs> you know, we we lost enough that we're like, this yeah. can't happen again, you know. Um, psychological impact? Have you seen anything? Psychological, you know, you obviously, you're, you change your ways on tour. Uh, I think that we were always very careful. And, uh, you know, we what are the precautions you have someone sleep in the van or, you know, you never leave the van alone, which we did, uh, you know, every night we had someone sleeping in the van. Luckily our bassist is allergic to cats, which most of the houses that you stay in while you're on tour have a cat. (laughs) I used to to be a lot more allergic and that would be my job. Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, he takes, he takes the van most nights for, for him. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's, I the, really the only difference for us now is that we never leave it during the day. I mean, we got robbed in broad daylight. Near, okay, yeah. So why don't you describe the, that part of it? Because that's probably a good thing to get in yeah. there. Yeah, uh, we we parked the van like on a corner. It's actually uh, Wicker Park in Chicago, which is yeah. a nice area. Yeah, very. And, uh, you know, it was like seventy three degrees out. It was beautiful. Everyone was outside running around. You know, we parked in a very visible corner, uh, and we went and ate Chicago Diner, mm-hmm. and uh, we were gone, I don't know, I guess an hour and a half, two hours, and came back, and the van was gone. It was just, like, unbelievable. You know, we, I was pretty, I'm, like, super paranoid, I was paranoid about that the whole time, you know, especially, like, I think specifically just my new guitar. And, uh, you know, Danny was pretty paranoid because of his uh, hard drives. And for whatever reason, we let it go, you know, 3 p.m. in this nice area, we thought it would be okay. And I don't know. The question at at this point is always, uh, well, did someone know that we were a band? Mm. Uh, Yeah. uh, Stickers in the van? No, no, no. Definitely not. I mean, if you peeked in, you would definitely see, you would see that there was equipment, you know. Yeah, but that's but, uh, unavoidable. Yeah, yeah. Without like the super dark tent, uh, and I think I think someone just was walking by and saw it and smashed out the window, and then just you know the wrong guy. Walked yeah, yeah, and then called a group, and then they emptied it out like you know 
couple miles away. Yeah, I think it's so funny. One of the things we really see is it's like, you know, everybody is cautious. Like, Thrice had a really great thing. They said, like, you know, they're like, we literally had a list for years of all the things we learned to not get your van robbed. Yeah. And then it's that one time you let up and you don't do what you know you should do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it takes no time. And it's, it's such a bummer because it's just so, such a stupid thing. And when you're on tour, like, I think it's easy for people that don't tour to be like, well, just never leave the van. Yeah. yeah like when you are in the van for 10 hours a day. Dehydrated. Yeah. Arrested. <laughs> and then you go to a restaurant. You want to go to a restaurant. You don't want to get the food for takeout and then eat in the van. But, you know, a lot of times we do that because we can't leave the van. And, you know, this is just, you're fucking locked to that thing. <laughs> um. Yeah, and you know the, the. I mean, that's the other thing too. Is like, if I was in Wicker Park, I would never be worried about this. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's a, a sad lesson of it too. Um, have you learned any techniques since then to that you've been doing on subsequent tours? Uh, we let me think techniques. Not really, honestly. I mean, we just no, we we take everything out. Uh, that's the thing is like we're, there wasn't really much to change. Whenever we would mm-hmm. stay at someone's house, we'd empty out the van and bring it all into their living room. Yeah. You know, we'd leave like cabs and whatever because, you know, if someone's gonna take that. You know, more power to them. <laughs> but, you know, the the expensive stuff and, you know, we. We actually, this is a really amazing uh, thing. We actually got robbed after that in Austin at South by Southwest. We played uh, we played a set. The van was by itself for, you know, 45 minutes. We loaded in. I went and parked the van, walked back, played our set, and then I walked back to the van to load out immediately after we played. And someone had smashed out the window and taken our backpacks with, like, clothes in it. And, you know, those stupid things, my headphones, my charger, my sunglasses. And... Uh, I hid my computer in the van, <laughs> and luckily they didn't find it, which was fucking amazing. Uh, but, you know, it's like, what do you do? You know, we don't have a roadie. We don't have a merch person. We are four kids with no money on the road. Yeah, we have to step away from the van for the, you know, 30 minutes that we play a set. When we played in St. Louis, uh, actually the same night that... Uh, that band two cow garage. garage got robbed uh, the venue that we played at was they had signs that were like do not park around the corner only park outside the venue you will get robbed it happens all the time like just outright saying that so we were playing a set and I was walking to the side to check on the van in the middle of the set <laughs> it was like it's like I don't know to what degree I mean maybe <laughs> you can get windows that cannot be smashed like bulletproof windows or you know we talked about putting a cage and and then I mean it's just that the, anything you do I think eventually there's the thing like, the be- the best thing we I learned years ago was uh the bike lock to the steering yeah. wheel trick because they're just not anticipating that they're gonna have to cut a bike lock. Yeah, and that's like the only great uh, aside from the kill switch trick of just not getting the whole van stolen, but you're still yeah. susceptible to the yeah. backpack and yeah. all that. And that, that's well, exactly. the most common yeah. thing. Is I mean, the, the kill, backpacks. 
I think the kill switch is the way because it's so cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a thirty dollar fix basically. But yeah, it is those other things. It's like you know, the van gets stolen or the van doesn't get stolen, and then they just take all your your fucking toothbrushes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and smash out a window. That was the most expensive part about that. You know, it was one hundred and eighty dollars to replace the window. It's like how many shows is one hundred and eighty dollars for a band that has one seven inch out, you know. That's, that's actually a great point. So that's all of those questions. So then we're doing these other things where it's like from time to time at the end of episodes we just have like ten band members answer the same question and give their advice yeah. on these things. Um, let me just make a new file for this. Okay. Here's direct hit. It was the first tour actually where we hadn't lost money like we were coming home and we had like enough money to be able to pay back our merch bill and all of that kind of stuff so we got through the border border is always something that you're sort of sketchy about especially if you're carrying cash like we had i think at the time we had between three and four thousand dollars in cash in our van which kind of weirds out border patrol when you're driving over and you're not you know you're coming from canada back into the united states we got through that okay we were making pretty good time, and so we decided to stop in Detroit at this place called Slows for lunch. Lots of rich white people go to go to eat at Slows. It's like one of those kinds of places, even though it's in like a rougher area in Detroit. Lexuses and BMWs and all kinds of stuff like that parked on the street, and so we didn't we didn't feel like it was an unsafe area to park in. We weren't really scared or anything like that. It didn't seem like that terrible of an area or that stuff was going to get broken into because we're we're always really careful about that locking all of our stuff and parking in areas that are okay because we, we had heard all the horror stories for other bands that had gotten jacked and stuff like that and i mean we're just kind of a small pop punk band we don't really make a lot of cash and aren't designed to take a hit like that i mean we don't have record label support or anything like that we parked the van we went into the restaurant we were in there for maybe like j- just a little bit over an hour and we walked back outside and the van was just gone like there wasn't any broken glass or anything like that we thought that we had parked illegally and so we called like around to a bunch of different towing places first to make sure that the van hadn't been towed eventually we just kind of said there's no way that any it there's no way that it could be anything except it was stolen like there was a coat hanger on the ground and that was kind of our clue we called the cops and it took the cops like a good two and a half hours or two hours to make it over to us it was a really long time before the cops showed up in the meantime, like we posted stuff up on the internet saying, like, if you're in Detroit and you see a van around, it's probably ours. And I mean, we couldn't really do anything. Like the cops asked us when they showed up, like why we waited so long to call the incident. And it was like, it was totally just because, I mean, you never expect that to happen to you. Like it's always something that happens to other people, but you never figure that you're the one that it's going to, like, you're going to run into the problem. So cops were of no help. They basically told us your stuff's gone and there's probably nothing that we're going to be able to do about it because it's in Detroit and they have much bigger fish to fry than vans getting stolen. But we had, I mean, we had no way of getting home. We were just stuck in Detroit six hours with no van. We all had our phones in our wallets and that was pretty much it. Like everything else had been taken. We all had laptops that got taken. All of our equipment, all of our cash that was in it, it was basically, I mean, when it came down to it, it was close to like $25,000, $30,000 worth of stuff with the van included. I mean, we owed money for the merch that we had fronted from our print shop at home. We had no idea how we were going to pay that back. It was a total destruction of everything. We didn't think that we were going to be able to be abandoned anymore after that. 
that. First thing that we did was we called all of our insurance companies. Insurance was an absolute nightmare to deal with. I called my homeowner's insurance. I, I had like a $10,000 stolen property allowance or something like that. And the first thing the guy asked was, was this for personal or business use? And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, well, were you making any money? When you play in a band, that's kind of a loaded thing. Nobody makes money playing in a band. You're taking in money, but it's it, it immediately goes back into your gas tank and stuff like that and for buying food and being able to cover like the odd hotel room when you can't find some place to sleep. And so I was like, well, yeah, but we weren't, I mean, it wasn't like I was making a profit. I think we each got, we're supposed to get like a hundred bucks at the end of that tour. Like, that was the amount of money that we were making for 10 days of work. Like, as soon as I said it, he was like, no, nope, can't cover you. What do you mean, man? And he was like, well, I mean, you're covered for like your personal belongings, but not for anything that has to do with like your business. And I was like, well, it's not really my business. It's it's me driving around the country with my friends playing music and having fun. Like it has nothing to do with how I make my living. And he was like, nope, if you're making money on it, it's professional use. We can't cover you. So I was like, fuck. Killed. And that's what happened basically to everybody. Like they all got just got caught like by underwriters asking really like specific questions that you don't really know the answer to. But as soon as they get a yes or a no to the right question, then they, they write you off and don't cover you. The car insurance that we had sent us a check for like $250. I mean, that was almost, it was like adding insult to injury almost to send you that tiny of an amount or something like that. But of course my, my ever sensitive parents, the first thing they said, well, you should have gotten better insurance. It's, it's absolutely unaffordable for a band like ours to be able to afford insurance like that. When we looked into it to be able to have that kind of coverage for, I mean, we need probably between merch and cash and everything like that. We need probably $40,000 worth of coverage when we're out on tour. I mean, and we're driving around into different places and we're not playing very secure venues a lot of the time. And we're playing in bad neighborhoods. And I mean, insurance carriers charge a premium for that shit. I mean, when some of the plans that we were looking at were crazy, it was like $1,200 for like a two week tour. Unless you have people with money backing you up to be able to cover that kind of stuff for you. It's just, it's impossible for as an independent DIY band to be able to pay for that. What did help a lot was that I put up just a note on the internet saying like, if anybody has any money to donate, now's the time to buy a record. Now's the time to buy a CD. The people that came out and uh, hung out at the shows and bought our record donated our way back into being a band again. All in total, I think we collected between six and $7,000 in donations. It was absolutely unbelievable to see that that many people gave a shit about us and about our music. And I, I mean, like even talking about that now, like, I mean, I'm welling up and you get a lump in your throat just talking about it, you know, kind of took that awful incident to make us see like there's actually people out there that care about what we're making. I had kind of written off the fact that all of our stuff was gone. I didn't think we were going to be seeing it ever again. And if we did, it would be like in parts in a scrapyard or something like that. We got a call the day after Christmas from the Detroit police who said that they had found our van and that it was working, but it was totally wrecked. Like the people that had stolen it, they tore like the front console off the front of it. Like the cash was gone. All of our personal stuff was gone. Our bags were still in it. So all of our clothes and shit were there, but they had all been emptied out and just the entire inside of the van was a wrap. Steve, our, our bass player, had like he had a GNL bass that he really didn't want to lose because he had put a lot of work into it. Every day, Steve would go on the internet and he would search for that G that specific GNL bass. A couple of days after New Year's, Steve called me and was like, "I found my bass on the internet on eBay." And he was freaking out. Instantly, we called like the eBay user that was selling and say, "Hey, you're stolen. You're selling a stolen bass. We need to get that back." 
And in the meantime, here's a list of all of our gear. If you have any of the rest of it, like if they dropped it off in a group, you should let us know. The guy wrote back and said, yeah, like we can give you your base back. That's that's yours and whatever. And um, we have an, like the same person that dropped your base off also dropped off a snare drum and a guitar amp. We have his ID. We have him on surveillance footage, all that other kind of stuff. The thing is that we had to buy our stuff back from the pawn shop in Detroit. Like have to reimburse them for what they paid for it. And then it's your job to go and sue the people who stole your stuff to be able to get the money back that you had to spend on buying your own equipment back. There's no recompense for for victims in that situation. Steve went and called all of the guitar centers around Detroit and told them, we just found a lot of our stolen gear and had them fax over like but the ID footage. And like, if you have anybody that's matched this ID, sold you stuff, he's probably selling our gear too. And so we tracked down one of the guitars to the guitar to a guitar center too so we had the guy who was selling all this stuff on two different surveillance cameras and he had used his id twice and so that's when we started calling the police and telling them like we have this dude like he has the rest of our gear in some house somewhere in detroit dealing with the detroit police department was just an absolutely fucking nightmarish experience first of all we couldn't get a hold they they didn't know whether to put our case in their organized crime division or whether to put it in stolen property division because the way that thieves operate a lot of the time in Detroit is where somebody will steal the van and then drop it off at somebody else's house and then that person will unload all of the stuff out of the van and then put it in their basement and then somebody else will come and pick the gear up and then sell it to pawn shops and get rid of it. You can't pin a crime like that just on one person. It's broken up into a bunch of different minor infractions between four or five people. And so for a while, we didn't even have a detective like assigned to our case. Like We knew where half of our gear was. It was just the other half of it was in some warehouse somewhere or in somebody's basement or something and there we didn't have any police support to go after it. Obviously, the insurance companies weren't going after it either because they hadn't paid us any money. It wasn't their problem anymore. Like two or three months after the case, they didn't even have somebody working it. Even though we had a person on an ID that we could tell them, like, this is the person that knows where our stuff is. Send somebody over. Eventually, when we did get a detective assigned to the case, we started calling them for, like, updates and stuff like that. First of all, their voicemail system wasn't working, so we couldn't leave messages anywhere. Nobody knew, I mean, for a little while, nobody knew who the detective was that we were supposed to be talking to. And then half of the time, the police officers that we were dealing with didn't even have cell phones. Like, they were telling us that the entire police department is just operating on CB radio most of the time. They don't use phones at all. It it was like dealing with, like, the clown division at a circus. It wasn't until, like, we got to the very end of the process. They finally got got a warrant to search this guy's house and kind of, and they found so much shit in the guy's house. He had drum sets, he had guitars, he had amps. I mean, it was just basically an entire warehouse of just stolen stuff. And he had all of our stuff in his basement. Eventually when like when we started dealing with the undercover police who like do stuff like that, like they wouldn't even give us their full names when we started working with those folks once they had actually found it, then it went really quick. And that was awesome. Like all those folks were really working the streets and finding our stuff for us and getting it back and keeping it. Those people were all awesome. Like we started getting phone calls from them all the time, updating us on where all that kind of stuff was. But it really took a good five months of constant phone calling and anger and like frustration to finally get somebody to find all of our stuff. And we still didn't get everything back. I mean, my guitar that I had had, like I, I played the same guitar basically from when I was 18 until I was... This happened when I was 28, so I had that guitar for a decade. I never got that guitar back. Danny never got his cymbals back. We never got any of our laptops back. We never got our cash back. 
I mean, I think especially as a musician, you get used to people not caring about what you're doing a lot. And you kind of gird yourself for that because there's so many people playing in bands now and recording albums and it's really impossible to kind of get above the noise. And if you play in a couple of bands and you release a couple of records, you kind of just steel yourself to the fact that you'll have a few dozen people that give a shit about what you're doing. And you never think that you have a crowd of people that are out there supporting you who actually care about you. And I think that was sort of the point when everybody in our band realized that it had grown beyond kind of a hobby or something that we had expected it to be. If there's a silver lining to the entire experience, that's kind of what it was. Here's Tom May from the Menzingers. So, um, anywho... So the discussion, the whatever, is talking about bands that get robbed, right? Yeah. Um, and the idea here is that I don't think most people really understand, um, at least in the scene and punk music and what have you, um, how impactful that can be in certain situations from gear to, I mean, in your case, y'all guys lost your um, passports and everything else. And so I find that really kind of interesting in that, um, you know, you look at, 2012 and you see uh, state champs got robbed bless the fall you guys pedimento and code orange kids even koji and the balting souls all all got robbed and all those cases were in america but with you guys it happened in england and on, yeah. top, and on top of that it was the i mean passports and personal information versus gear um, and cash and cash yeah exactly yeah so if you don't mind just kind of explaining like what happened and and just kind of you know um just kind of how did the police handle it and, you know, just stuff like that, because I think it's really fascinating how, in your case, I mean, that's the worst fear you could have if I was in a touring band, was being in another country. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness we were in, I mean, you know, there's a, you could look at the bright side of any situation, not even bright side, but just the fact that we were in England, an English-speaking country, uh, with close diplomatic ties to the U.S. made it a lot better than it could have been if we were in another country. Uh, it was very easy to communicate everything. Uh um, but yeah, being in a, a private, or sorry, in a foreign country was was definitely difficult. Uh, we'd lost basically everything that you have, and you can't go home. So there's no, you know, you can't just go home or call it off, or or even in our case, at the time we didn't have the like we didn't have enough money to have international plans on our phones, so we had very limited communication with people back home. Um, the it was we we played at a place called Moho Live, which is now defunct, um, and three or four bands got robbed in the same two-month window in a similar situation to us from playing the venue. I personally feel that we were set up by the uh, security staff there, there's an outside security staff. I have no way to, 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 to prove that, obviously, but it's just there's really shady, and it was too coincidental that it happened, everybody in the same scenario. But basically, we had parked downtown. Uh, we just played an amazing show, and somebody smashed in one of the windows to open the van, just took all the bags that were on the front seat, took off, and... In England, everything is on all public is in, is basically on CCTV. There's CCTVs everywhere, so you can. They don't have the same uh, approach to you know uh, the Bill of Rights or, or, or this privacy of their citizenry as, as we do in the states. But unfortunately for us, the CCTVs, they the police said they were um, not good enough to identify people, or they were too shady, or they weren't pointed correctly at the time. It was all, the whole thing was really shady. The police who showed up at the scene were really, really kind. And, uh, you know, once again, being in England where the police are really nice and everybody is, uh, spoke English, it, was, it wasn't it was as bad as it, as it could have been. And we had to drive overnight. 
lost basically all the money that we had for an already good chunk of that tour. And we, they had, the, I didn't have my bag in the front. My bag was in the back and I keep my passport and uh, other things on my person at all times. Um, so I didn't have to go through the ordeal that the other guys had to go through where they had, we had to go overnight to London to the embassy to get an emergency temporary passport. And the whole thing was a nightmare and it was just really, it can be traumatizing in the sense that you really shakes you down and you don't feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. And you were on tour with the front bottoms, right? Uh, no, we were on tour with the bouncing souls. Oh, that was about the Souls tour? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and you said that was like a good, like, you were already a good chunk into, um, into your tour then at that point, you said? Yeah, uh, no, yeah, we had already had a couple high-paying shows, and we had, uh, you know, we lost uh, about $10,000 worth of cash and, and stuff. Jeez. And goods. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was kind of the recovery plan? I, I know Banquet Records um, said they would help out, is that correct, or is that? Yeah, Bank- yeah Banquet Records donated a whole bunch of money to us, uh, as well as we just had a... a I don't remember which one we used. We just had a PayPal donation button set up. And we, people like from all over the country and people that we hadn't spoken to in years uh, donated all of the money back to us almost. So we within within a few days, we had to turn it off because we were afraid that uh, we were going to get too much money. The response was overwhelming. It was crazy. And it was, it was really wild to see names of people that... That's one thing that's great about this scene. Uh, people have always propped each other up since the beginning that we were in it, and I consider, think it'll still do, still carry on that way. Yeah. Each uh, seeing names on the donation list that we had, people we hadn't spoken to in years, and who first started to see us when we went out and play, and that was just a really, you know, that was a, a gut wrenching in a good way kind of experience. Oh, wholeheartedly. Um, yeah. I mean, that's crazy, but I mean, good to know that. that- that kind of, I guess, it was kind of a quick bounce back. I mean, again, depending on how much you lose, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars worth of, you know, what have you, I can get pretty yeah. intense. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, at the time, and now that's still a huge amount of money. But at the time, that was an unfathomable amount of money. That was, you know, we had no money then. That was that really was sucked. Yeah, you all, you all were touring on the Impossible Pass at this point, right? Yeah, this was back in that. Okay, cool, sweet. Yeah, it had come out. This was in May of two thousand and twelve. Okay. Um, and did you guys have any kind of like any idea of whether or not, uh, did you have like, I mean, is there a reputation for this venue? Is there a reputation for Manchester in general? Uh, yeah, Manchester in general is definitely like, you, you know, it's a, it has a reputation for being, uh, it's a Northern, uh, industrial city. It's a little bit rougher. It's like, it's like London or any major city. It's like Philadelphia with the reputation of people getting gear stolen or it's not like Montreal, but, uh, yeah. And so several other bands, the same exact, so some. American, some English, the same exact MO had happened to them in the same area right after they had all played the same venue. Okay. And, you know, the venue is, is burnt down, actually. Unfortunately, someone died when it burned down. It was a really, really terrible story. But, um, yeah, that's what I think, you know, that uh, some people affiliated with the sec- They hire outside security firms in England. They don't have in-house security. Uh-huh. And I think that uh, some of those, you know, some of those knuckleheads probably set us up. Yeah. But I'll never know. Yeah, that's just one of those, like, forever unanswered like what is yeah there was called the police let us borrow their flashlights so that we can search all the uh trash receptacles within a couple block radius to try to find because we figured they might open the bags take the money and then th- ditch the bags and the passports might still be in the bags oh okay but uh that didn't that wasn't the case we just never recovered anything yeah this might be kind of a personal question did you guys have any kind of like security was there anything like preventative taking place i mean i guess looking well, back now it, it was kind of we were younger and a bit more naive so you know and we just like didn't have as good of a communication set up with those kind of things and van was locked 
Uh, and so we were, we were very, very close. We were with an eye, d- eye shot of the van, but, uh, it all happened very quickly. We, you know, we would never in a million years, normally before that, uh, since then and after would leave, uh, that substantial amount of money unattended on the front seat of the van. But, um, you know, that was definitely stupid on our part and, and hopefully, and hopefully other people can learn from that. And we certainly did. Yeah. Sweet. So what are some kind of the steps that you have, I guess, taken from this experience? I mean, whether it's stateside or UK wide. Well, over in the UK, I think I, I imagine everybody would kind of keep there. We, we, it was really unfortunate because it was downtown in a highly populated place. It wasn't really like we parked behind a warehouse and went to bed for the night or anything like that. And that's actually, you'll find that often with bands getting robbed. A lot of them, it happens in the middle. Our friends were robbed in Toronto last week and they, uh, they were just parked at a nice, like a regular restaurant in the middle of the day. Somebody smashed in and took like a bag. Oh, wow. Yeah, people get desperate, you know. Those are different. I think, you know, there's different. There's there's junkies and, and thieves who will steal bags on seats. And then there's the type of people who are more organized and steal a trailer or a full van. But, yeah, for us, you know, in the States, we, we've been broken into probably four or five times in the States. Or in North America, mostly in Montreal. Uh, we had a window smashed in New York. We had a window smashed in Philly. Um, both of the when in New York, the drummer captain were sinking, uh, saw the guy do it, chased him down the street. And Philly, the van was empty. Uh, but in Montreal, we had a bag stolen with iPod and personal effects, and then another time there was nothing in the van, so they they just threw papers and shit around. But yeah, so we just you know we leave it empty, and now we actually are at the point where we've ordered. Uh, there's Dewalt, the lock, the tool company makes something called these GPS mobile locks. Yeah, uh, they're expensive. They're like two hundred bucks, uh, but you know you could activate them with your smartphone, and uh, that's how you could. If your trailer or van gets stolen, you can track it immediately. And there's been a couple of cases where people have, tra- uh, yeah, tracked them down already. But yeah, it's like a racket. You have uh, people have instruments and they're they're high value. Uh, they're not easy to trace. People who sell and buy instruments are usually musicians who are closer to the, uh, you know, we'll say poverty line normally, and can are constantly selling. I mean, my entire life I was selling and buying instruments based off of if I needed money at the time, you know. And uh, so that's their, their, uh, something that's easy to steal. It's like, in Montreal, there's a racket. They say it's the uh, biker gangs that are there. There's a famous story among crew people that Iggy, um, Iggy Pop had something stolen, and then uh, Hell's Angels in Detroit helped them get it back from the Montreal people. I don't know how true that is, but some of our friends in Montreal tell us that there'll be lookouts with walkie-talkies, and that's how they rob a lot of the bands. Wow. Crazy. That's nuts. That's a lot of work, it seems like. Yeah, you know, it seems like a lot of work, but if you got three guys that are good at it and they steal a trailer with $50,000 worth of shit in it and put it on a car, a fucking shipping container and send it to Russia, you know, it's like, yeah, I guess it pays. Yeah, exactly. So you just talked about how um, you've been robbed a couple times state-wise. Was yeah. this time in England, was that the biggest, I mean, I, I imagine so, was this the biggest um, case of like shit, you know, this like shit-wise or... Monetary value wise, was this the biggest um, hit to you guys? I guess. Oh yeah, the in in Manchester, totally. That was a uh, yeah, it was a big big blow. I mean, people helped us recover immediately, but it was definitely a very scary situation, very eye opening. And how did you and how did you feel about the whole like you talked about? A lot of people came forward. How was that like? Was that just like a unanimous decision on y'all's part? Was there like some internal debate? Um, yeah, I mean, well, really, it was kind of a. a I would say that we didn't have a choice because we kind of didn't. We just had no money. We were in debt to get over there, and uh, we 
just yeah, we had to we had to pay for the back line and driver and pay to be on the rest of the tour. And there was just if we had just gone home, we would just be completely. We wouldn't you know we wouldn't be able to pay rent at our homes and uh, you know, all of our financial responsibilities. We just had no money. And we've since also gotten insurance. I recommend everybody gets uh, insurance if you're if you're taking your band really seriously and you can afford it. That's an expense you shouldn't overlook. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it would have helped us there, but in the states, you know, if Jesus, if we yeah, if we if people didn't, we did, but we definitely did talk about it. Like whether you know asking for handouts was too big of a deal. We didn't think that we would get that much money. We thought it would be uh, just a way to help us get through the rest of the tour. But we were able to pretty much to re get. You know, there's some personal things stolen and. Um, you know, some people like people's personal electronics and stuff. Those are gone forever, but we were able to get all the band stuff back. Sweet. Yeah. And then, um, I guess how was it mostly donations? Did bank would help out a lot or what was kind of the distribution between, you know, uh, it, it was definitely mostly donations. Uh, banquet was a huge help though. That was a huge help. Um, and I would have to look up the distribution, uh, in, in my files. Yeah. It's not that important to be honest. Um, yeah, just curious. Um, and I guess continuing on, um, you talked about how you've got that 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 lock, um, and definitely insurance, um, safety mm-hmm. safety wise, and I guess psychologically speaking, um, did that shake you up for a long period of time? Was it something you just kind of bounced back from? And we're like, sweet, let's get back on the road. No, we bounced back from it immediately. Uh, it wasn't crippling. It make definitely it puts it in perspective. But at the same time, it's also like, all right, well, we we had been living in Philadelphia for a long time. We're used to. Uh, our cars getting uh, broken into or stolen, uh, our, our things in our home being stolen, break-ins. Like it's just we're kind of used to living in a in a in a crime, yeah, in a in a high crime, a violent situation, kind of. And so we weren't really shaken to our core or anything like. That. Nobody uh, has any long-lasting psychological effects. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was more. It ends up now that we look back at it as more of like a fuck, you know, like an oh shit, that really we just got, you know. Somebody hustled us. Like we got hustled, and that really sucks. And you're just like, "Fuck, God damn it!" Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. So I guess applying that to stateside, um, when you're on tour now, and I know you guys are coming up with me without you. Um, are there cities in the states that you like kind of take more precaution towards versus not? Um, I, I guess kind of what's stateside travels like? Yes, that's a good question. So uh, in stateside travel. Montreal is definitely the place where you're going to get your shit stolen. You sh- shouldn't even, if as a advice to younger bands, just don't even stay in the city. Just stay outside the city, drive overnight, do whatever you got to do. Cause uh, it's just, everybody just gets broken into there. But you know, if you park in the wrong place in Philly, it, it, it's really just any large major city, you know, you have to worry about it. But the stories you most hear, are, I mean, um, uh, guitars and shit like that being stolen in Philly, people getting broken into in New York, um, Montreal, um, you know, it's never happened to us or our friends in Chicago that I know of. Uh, Los Angeles is so spread out, and I think people, so many people live there that you know isn't as big of a thing. But really, yeah, those are the cities where we're most worried. Then Detroit, you know, anywhere that has the uh, people are desperate. We had a lot of desperate people. Uh, they're going to have a lot of crime. Yeah. Um, and but the, the one thing that people should always keep in mind is that there are a couple states where they don't have trailer uh, registration laws. It's like Oklahoma and maybe Kansas. You have to check. Oh, definitely Oklahoma, maybe Kansas, maybe Arkansas. I always forget. But while you're in those states, be very careful because somebody could just jack your trailer and it doesn't. You'll never see it again. Yeah. Because the uh, they don't keep, have to catalog the VIN numbers and they don't require uh, to be registered. So you can just you know put you could just get a license plate for it, or you don't even need a license plate for some of them. And then yeah, they could just drive away with it and the cops won't catch them. 
If that's happened to a couple of bands, I think it may have happened to Foxing recently. Yeah. In one of those states, but I'm not positive. Um, and you don't have to name any names, um, but as you guess, a tour and tour, and you, know, you go back to a venue here and a venue there, um, mm. are some venues that maybe have a reputation or, or for being in a city that has a reputation, do they take extra measures? Are there some venues that you know, like, these guys are dirtbags and, like, don't really make an impact, whereas these guys were, like, you guys were awesome, there was security, there was, like, you know, just kind of, like... Oh, yeah, I think out of a, a, a just out of a, a need to survive, a lot of venues don't, if there's a, a venue where you get robbed outside of the venue a lot, the venue's not going to be around for very long. Yeah. Um, there are definitely some places where they won't provide, where we've been support acts for bigger bands, like some really big venues. Uh-huh. Well, they'll be like, uh, yeah, well, we don't have parking for you, so, you know, good luck. And then you just have to drive around the fucking city and find it yourself. Yeah. Um, which is sometimes they just can't do it, but sometimes they just don't give a shit. But some of the, a lot of the House of Blue. Loses are pretty are, have been really good for parking um, and you know helping out some places that are in rougher places like uh, we played Detroit uh, downtown. I'm trying to think of specific venues and cities where people will be outside and there'll just be a guy sitting there all night long just watching your shit. Nice, um, yeah, and that's pretty awesome. Even in, like Eastern Europe, Eastern Europe and some of those hairy places, there's not you know. Well, I guess you asked about the states, but out there, there's it's usually pretty good. The thing is, is that there's not really, besides the things that are obvious, there's not really a, a practical guide to knowing whether or not someone's going to steal your shit. They can steal it anywhere, at any time, under any circumstance. You know, it's just safer the better. You back up the doors to the wall when you're, if you're at a hotel or someone's house, or back up another car to it. Back in the day when we were tour with bands, you'd back up each other's vans to each other so that you couldn't open the back doors. Um, That's really know. smart. Yeah, totally. Uh, one thing we were talking about recently that I uh, would think would be a good idea is to buy an old used boot, like a car boot, like a tire lock. Just throw that on the trailer. Nobody's going to, st- you know, can't steal it then. But, um, yeah, it's really unfortunate that it happens. I can't, it, it seems like every month or two that goes by, we get an email from a booking agent or a management company that says, hey, you know, these, this band got robbed. Uh, be careful in this city or whatever. And in cases aside from, I mean, you talked about, I think you said Montreal and then New York. Um, did you get any help from like label stuff? Was there any, I mean, maybe it was, I mean, it was the smaller stuff in that, in those situations to where it was just kind of a quick bounce back or was it a big enough impact to where like, you know, epitaph or somebody could have been like, Hey, we'll help you out. And did that happen at all? Or was that just like, no, they didn't have to, uh, we were fortunate enough to, they would definitely would have. Oh, actually they did. They totally did. They, they helped us out on, uh, a great deal with the uh, merch that we got from them to sell on that tour. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they definitely helped us out a whole bunch. Okay. Uh, yeah. That, that yeah, and that, they would definitely help. And uh, you know, a lot of labels can't help bands out necessarily, or and some probably wouldn't. You know, some majors and stuff. But Epitaph has always been very good to us. We fortunately didn't have to get equipment replaced, and we didn't have any thing, any any equipment of serious sentimental value that got taken. So. Didn't lose, didn't lose the guitars. Lost your passport, but didn't lose the guitar. No, yeah, you get a new passport, you can't get the same guitar back. That's for sure. Exactly. And what's that, what was that process like with with the passport? Was that was that a bitch? Was it like a? Oh man, yeah, it was awful. It was such a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, the guys had to go to London overnight. I think we split up. They had to go to London overnight, um, and go to the U.S. embassy. The way that they portray it is so good. Uh, in, in the sense that it's a great story because they're just talking about how they had to stay in line forever and there's screaming babies and like a typical uh, embassy scene in a movie where people are just you know, frantically trying to figure their shit out. 
And then they got uh, temporary passports, and it's funny because you could tell their pictures that they used in the temporary passports. They look absolutely miserable, and it's, yeah. uh, it's really funny to check it out. But then they, yeah, they got new ones. But yeah, it's kind of a you know, if if you were in another place and you lost your passport, you could be seriously, seriously fucked. Like uh, a place that doesn't really getting to the U.S. embassy is not easy, or having an ID isn't easy. That could have been a lot worse. Yeah, um, and it was still a huge pain in the ass. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, hey, I mean, like you said, you got the shit fixed, got everything yeah. done. Oh yeah, we were one of the fortunate ones. There's some bands that you hear of that, and it's and and I just gotta say again, it's it's, it's not that often that you hear a story about a band getting robbed and you think, oh well, what the fuck were they doing there? Then you know, there's there's definitely a couple where you're like, oh well, that's what you, you know, that's not what you get. But like, why would you park your van in that place for two days? You know, like, what did you what the hell did you what did you think was gonna happen? Yeah. Um, but most of the time it's really just, you know, they were, a band was just minding their own business and somebody jacked all their shit. Yeah. And I mean, even then you can only do so much because even at that point you do all the preventative measures, you get insurance, you have a lock, but some people, yeah. if they get determined enough, like I said, if you're desperate and you got three guys that know what they're doing. Yeah. They're going to rob you and you're not. Yeah. That's scary as hell. So yeah, totally. It's totally, it's a scary thing. It's the world we live in, unfortunately, you know? This is Brian from Have Mercy. Yeah, I'm Brian, and I sing and play guitar in Have Mercy. Yeah, we got robbed in Buffalo. Yeah, I'm not sure where Buffalo was, but we uh, we ended up staying at a friend's house out there. Got there maybe around like two or three in the morning. I woke up the next morning to go grab my bag from the van, and right when I started approaching the van, I realized something something was messed up. I walked up to the trailer, trailer was totally open. All of our locks were punched in. Um, so they took six guitars, a few pedal boards, all of our drums. Uh, they took all of our bags out of our van, uh, all personal belongings, belongings like shirts. And we, yeah, it was a, I think it was a, only a month before, but we were at the end. We only had two days left. Right when we got rocked, we were like, okay, we're just going home. And we had nothing. We couldn't even go on. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So I'm assuming you guys got the police involved somehow. How was the process? Like, how did they handle it, or how did you approach them if you did? Well, yeah, we we, had, we called the police. When they actually got to the scene, they didn't really care. Honestly, they just took down a report and then went on their day. Um, the news and stuff cared more about it than the actual cops, because they were trying to come and interview us. Oh, really? Yeah. I have no idea how they, how they contacted us, but... Our program manager was like, oh, do you want ABC to come out? And he was, he was seen on this man, not right now. Uh, he, uh, our program manager actually emailed the guitar centers in the local area and told them, like, our gear list and said, like, hey, this is what we're missing. If, if you see it, let us know. They ended up having a guy, like, two hours after uh, we noticed it was gone, trying to sell it at the guitar center in Rochester. So they cops came, there was one press charges. We said, of course, and that was it. Right. So, what did you guys do to recover funds? Did you set up some sort of donation link or anything like that? Yeah, we went ahead. We did the PayPal thing. Uh, I mean, we we had to. It's kind of times I think it was cheap, and it, it took us a lot of time to decide if we actually wanted to set up PayPal for us. But I mean, we were out ten grand, so we go ahead and do it. And I mean, honestly, it saved our lives. We got a lot of stuff back, but there were some guitars that were worth, you know almost a thousand books that we didn't get back and that's true at that point. 
Yeah, my next one was actually about recovery. So you mentioned that you get you guys didn't get everything back, but you got a good portion at least, though, right? Yeah, the money from PayPal and like just friends of the band who are recovered donated stuff to us. It like completely saved. If we didn't set up the PayPal, I don't know if it would be a band. We wouldn't have been able to recover. We didn't have a label that offered tour support at that time, right? Yeah. So, how do you think? touring bands and touring musicians should handle security themselves like in terms of safety precaution like how would you say you know this could be prevented in the future I don't know that's tough so like a lot of places that people tour a band tour like you're going to be in bad areas it doesn't matter where you say it may just be like Oakland, California where it's sketchy wherever you go I mean, I would just make sure someone, if you're during a show, someone always walking the van, going and checking on it. Um, try to always stay at some residential area, you know, isn't too sketchy. Just make sure that you're just locked up. I mean, buy expensive locks, make sure they're on everything. I mean, it's not for somebody from back in the window, but if you have a nice lock on your trailer, then not everything's going to get taken. So, did you guys ever look into insurance if it did cover anything? So yeah, we, we had insurance on the trailer, something was damaged. We had insurance on our van, so they offered to replace anything that was inside the van, but nothing that was in the trailer. After anything on the trailer insurance, immediately corrected that, but they weren't going to cover anything. I mean, they would would have covered our clothes that were inside our van, but it just didn't make sense for us to even file for that. For the sake of you know other bands who may be listening, do you have any cities that you and the rest of your bandmates think are a little bit more predisposed to this kind of danger? Like, is there any particular city you know of that you kind of want to keep an extra eye out for whenever you guys are there? I know Seaway was robbed in St. Louis before. St. Louis is a hot spot for everybody getting robbed. And now now Buffalo, I guess. I mean, normally it's not that bad of an area, but there's some parts that are really so sketchy. Um, You'll know when you get there. If it's a bad neighbor showed up in this podunk town, uh, we stayed at a random hotel. We knew it was a bad area, but we there's a perfect middle point for where we're going the next day. To stay up and watch the van the whole night. Stare up and watch it. I mean, like some students have to make those, those sacrifices, flee for like inconvenience. Make sure your stuff not getting taken. How do you think these affect you know touring music- musicians psychologically? Like, do you think it? has a huge toll on them usually how do you think they recover from it mentally I mean I don't know if it's, it's not a huge when it first happens like for us it was a huge burden we really just like lost all hope we ended up bouncing back from that it, it actually made it stronger psychologically like we are always weary of everything which may sound stressful but you need to be you just need to be on top of your game and it, it definitely uh, yeah, helped in that aspect uh, it's just tough for a band who's like very small. At that time, we were a lot smaller than we um, than we are now. Uh, when you have that forward, like with any business that's growing, you have that forward momentum, and you have to keep it going. And once it's halted, like that makes it feel like you've lost all hope. Right. Awesome. Pat from Light Ears. Here we have a band called Light Years. They're from Ohio. Their van was unfortunately broken into around 2014. We're going to be speaking with their lead vocalist, Pat Kennedy, and he's going to be weighing in on the incident. 
it was literally the first day of tour in Chicago. We played at a venue called Subterranean. And after the show, we came out to get the van to load out. And we just walked up, and the van was just smashed. The window was smashed open. And uh, luckily, knock on wood, all our gear was in the venue. We never had a problem with their gear being stolen, but they got a bunch of our personal stuff like that and all our iPods, GPS. Um, it was just a really awful way to start a tour. <laughs> just a pain in the ass when you're far away from home and right so i'm assuming you guys somehow got the police involved immediately after can you tell me about that yeah we we filed the report uh you know in the off chance someone picked this kid up or i mean whoever did i don't know grown man but (laughs) a grown woman for that matter but you know someone came across our stuff you know we had to fill out a uh we he called and filled out all that we did what was missing a computer's ipod's and uh, we didn't really expect anything to happen with that. Like, they were kind of like, yeah, like, if this stuff shows up, like, we'll give you a call. Right. But, yeah, we've never heard from him, obviously, but uh, we tried, so. Yeah. If anything, did you guys do anything to try and recover funds? Did you, like, set up a donation link or anything like that? Yeah, amazingly, uh, you know, we just tweeted, like, oh, this sucks. And tons of people just started uh retweeting it and like sending us donations via paypal and other bands it was really awesome like we recovered like a lot of you know money to reimburse ourselves for stuff that we had lost and it came close and it was just crazy that that the amount of people that helped out did mm-hmm. because uh you know, i don't know if any other teen or whatever would have done that like if you know right Sturb got robbed would absolutely yeah like, the new metal community together and <laughs> donate money to them for you know it was really cool that's awesome do you think you guys ever really recovered from the loss either monetarily or like the gear and stuff did you guys ever fully recover from it i mean probably not money wise like we definitely have lost money through our break-ins but like now i mean like it's all about we don't let ourselves be in that situation like you never fully predict if you're gonna get broken into or not but Right. Um, like now we literally leave nothing in the van and like if we do get broken into they're just gonna get like you know changed or something like something stupid and like so now it's even crazier though like I feel like you know recovered fully like I expect 50% every time I come out to the van now to like see a broken window I wouldn't be surprised anymore like right. you know so like I'm always just kind of like oh did we get broken into tonight oh sweet we're good you know so that kind of sucks like always on the edge like of our seats like oh do we have all our stuff today yeah and that kind of brings me to my next question which was about um you know like caution and safety measures that you guys have taken thus far and you mentioned it a little bit you you know wouldn't typically leave the van alone or if you did you wouldn't put stuff in it but um did you guys ever look into um insurance of any sort or like would insurance ever have covered any of that our car insurance i looked into if they could help us out but like i obviously got the cheapest thing I could for our van just already broke. But uh, we have a we have the idea to get like uh you, like instrument insurance, like our insurance on our gear. Oh right. Luckily having the bat I got a lot of our friends got like I saw that Foxing band literally their entire rig got stolen. So like oh, yeah. if something like that happened to us we'd be like, you know, 
I'm, you know, I don't, I can't afford to buy it. Absolutely, yeah. That I've acquired throughout my life. So it's definitely like a smart thing to do. In your opinion, or in your bandmates' opinions, do you guys have like a collective mindset about like a particular city, just for the sake of other bands touring, you know, like other bands out there too who might be listening? Is there any particular cities that you guys are like, keep an extra eye out on your van in this city? Or like, you know, when you're hitting this part of the world, you kind of have to be cautious? Yeah. um, I mean, we got robbed in Chicago, and literally the same night we got robbed, on the other side of town, another band, I think they're set off, I think it was, got robbed the exact same night. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Chicago is definitely, like, a red flag. Right. I know, like, the people at the venue, like, they'll recommend, like, places to go to parks that aren't as susceptible to get broken into. We also got broken into in Seattle, and that was oh, wow. crazy. Like, it was just, it was the middle of the day, and then we were just kind of being tourists down by the Pike Place Market, and we were gone out of our van for an hour, and someone had broken into it. But, Oof. Uh, so those two, I would say, keep an eye out. Um, I've always heard St. Louis. We've never had an issue, but right. if I told us to like keep our eyes peeled, and St. Louis was kind of rough. Mm-hmm. So that's another one I've always heard. But uh, yeah, I mean, you just kind of have to be vigilant, I guess, these days, because it happens all the time. Right. Does the label or your management or anybody else in your team kind of help out in terms of recovering funds? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, on our last break-in uh, label we were with Animal Style Records we put up our last EP for like five bucks for the whole weekend and anyone that bought it he gave all that money to us which was actually insane oh that's because, cool cool uh, yeah it was super cool like he's trying to make money too you know but right. he lost so much and he helped us out a lot it was great um, that's awesome Jack is our manager um, but he posted everywhere he knows a lot of people and he got us, uh, you know, a lot, just a lot of exposure and donated money, and it was really great. That's awesome. So what do you think you have done since then that you could tell other bands in terms of prevention or, like, any particular safety measures you guys have taken aside from always having someone watch the van? Um, I would suggest always, you know, basically just leave nothing in the van that, you know, you don't have to, that you can bring in with you. We, you know, when we stay at some place, well, if it's not a thousand degrees out, we always have one member who usually volunteers to sleep in the van, which is actually usually pretty comfortable if you're by yourself. But you yeah, know, in case someone does break in, like they'll see a guy and um, maybe you scare away or you just, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I would suggest that um, asking the locals, you know, people for the new, like, hey, is this a sketchy area? Like, where should we park? Like, we, well, now, like, in Chicago, we always pay to park now. Uh, like, the business street, we can't, like, I don't care, like, how will meter every hour, like, lose a couple bucks instead of, you know, $400 worth of shit. So, Absolutely, yeah. Just basically, like, yeah. And, like, we always, like, you know, we'll send someone out just, like, walk around the van, like, mm-hmm. so people, like, will see if someone's, like, scoping it out. They're like, oh, shit. Because, like, you know. I wanted to ask, like, do you think any of these thefts and these robberies have like a psychological effect on touring musicians. As you said earlier, you know, you guys lost a lot of stuff and a lot of other bands lost way more stuff. Like, how do you think that affects your touring life? I mean, it definitely has a, a very negative effect, especially like, like arms. Guys, we're praying for anyone to come to these shows in the first place, you know, and sometimes like, you know, you drive 10 hours of three people, so you're bummed. And then to come outside and see your van broken into, it's just like, how many more? Yeah, the worst. You take? Like, it, it definitely like just another pile of shit on top of already like, 
having a rough time on a tour never helps. So like, you know, like, uh, I, it kind of makes you think like, oh, is it even worse going on tour or mm-hmm. just going to get robbed again? And at the end of the day, you got to, it's a risk you take, I guess, but it definitely is not good. <laughs> Absolutely. For morale at all. Yeah. You know what I mean, though. But there's already so much stress you're dealing with and then something like that happens and it's just catastrophic. Yeah, absolutely. And Tyler Susie from A Great Big Pile of Leaves. I, I remember just, like, dropping everything, running, like, four or five blocks as fast as I could, like it was going to help anything. Uh, and then and then I got over there, I saw the side window was smashed in, um, and that's when we kind of, like, went inside and realized that they had sold them. Uh, we had two acoustic guitars, like, in the back, behind the back bench. And then uh, some of the guys still had personal bags left in the van, and uh, those got stolen as well. We kind of like walked around the the few blocks, uh, tried tried to see if they had ditched anything, ditched the bags, if there was nothing in there that they wanted. Um, but yeah, uh, he he ended up losing his acoustic guitar, which to write everything. He lost his computer. He lost his hard drive, which had demos for the next record on it. I think it was kind of like a mental setback for him. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was kind of like, I think that was kind of the, the biggest loss for us. Like replacing the windows, not that big of a deal. And um, it, it, it's one of those things where when you're on tour, you kind of spend most of your time in the van. That's like the one place that feels safe to you. That's, that's kind of home. That's where you spend most of your waking hours. When you're at a hotel, you're just kind of sleeping when you're at the venue or whatever. Um, so the next few days, it just kind of felt weird knowing that someone had, like, crawled through our van and grabbed our stuff. But, I mean, it obviously could have been much worse than it was. Someone could have gotten hurt. Uh, they could have stolen the entire van and trailer. So, so it's, it's, uh, it sucks that it happens a lot. It seems to be happening to a lot of bands lately. Even our friends in, like, you blew it, got this van broken into, I think, yeah. the day at a guitar center which seems like the most bizarre thing in the world. But, um, yeah, it sucks. It, it just sucks, uh, the whole situation, the fact that there had been parking there before and we knew it was a good spot and then kind of having to show up and have that all happen within that first time. But. Yeah. Um, so how did you handle it? Did you get police involved or did you just kind of let it go? Or? We tried. So we, we, we called the cops. Uh, basically we got a run around for about four hours. So we were just standing outside the van with it like this for like four hours. Uh, one of the guys had to run back because the venue was closing and kind of load everything out on the sidewalk so we could get it figured out. Uh, cops never came. Basically one cop told us like they had serious stuff to really help us. One cop said that we had to drive it to them for them to look at it. And then another cop was trying to say that uh, basically uh, my mom's name is on the registration. And so he was saying he was to drive it even though I as an owner. So it, was, it just turned into this thing where like even the cops in Chicago weren't being very helpful. And one of them was even trying to say like, like turn this robbery into something where like we're legally not even allowed to drive the van. <laughs> yeah. Turned out not to be the case. Someone someone called us like we had, we loaded up the van. 
and we kind of just left. Uh, we we used like a a bass drum head uh, cardboard sleeve to cover up the window, and we ended up getting a phone call from someone someone at the Chicago Police Department. She was apologizing and saying like basically calling out whoever else we had talked to earlier in the night, saying that it was kind of like someone dropped the ball in a big way on their end. So we just ended up filing police reports, uh, threw her on the phone, gave everyone like separate addresses and what we had lost. Uh, we kind of spent the next few weeks on Craigslist and stuff, but I have a feeling most of that stuff just goes to local pawn shops. Like, we, we called around the pawn shops, but they're not going to really tell you, you know, um, so did y'all ever get to recover in any way? Um, uh, no, I mean, we didn't, we never got any of the stuff back. We never really saw any of it online. Uh, we, we kind of did like a, not like a fundraiser, but we basically put all our core merch online and, and get bought, uh, stuff from our online store, which kind of like sped the process of getting us a little bit more money. But, uh, that kind of just went to like the window repair and the building stuff. Yeah. Um, so we, we actually just, we just bought Pete and the two guitars so he could finish writing the next record. <laughs> oh gosh, wow. Two years later. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and like we, we ended up replacing his, uh, laptop and stuff like that, so. Alright. Um, this one, I don't, I can't see what's happening on your end, but I've been getting a few noises um, that have been coming through like louder than your voice. Oh, really? Yeah. What kind of noises? Um, I can't exactly tell. It almost sounds like page turning or something. It's, I have no idea. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> um, I'm in my bedroom alone. All right. Oh, weird, it just happened again. Really? Yeah, it, it literally sounds like someone's like turning a page like right at the mic because it's like the paper's like rubbing <laughs> on the microphone. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I read your official statement about the robbery and you said that uh, the band wasn't going to crowdfund. So where did uh, that decision come from? Uh, well, I mean, it was our fault for leaving stuff in there. Ultimately, I think it's kind of... It, it was basically... It was just a shitty situation for us to be in because... Financially, we weren't able to just, like, right away go buy a computer, right away go buy an acoustic guitar or whatever, or get the, the glass fixed. It wasn't really in our poor budget, per se. Um, so we, we, I, I, I've seen, I've seen it before where bands have, and it, it, it depends on the uh, scope of everything, really. Like, we, we lost stuff that we didn't really need to have on the tour. Like, we easily continued on the tour with all of our gear. Um, so I think I think it was a mix of that, um, like not needing the stuff right away, and then we also had merch that we knew we could turn into money, uh, so then we could use that money to buy these things if we needed to. Yeah. Uh, so that just seemed the better route for us. We didn't, we didn't really want to ask for money when it was like, it's not our fault someone broke in and stole stuff, but it's our fault for leaving stuff in there. It's something we could have avoided and we uh, kind of go out of our way now to make sure everything's clean as a van whenever we're parked somewhere. Uh, 
you know, it was a little bit of a life lesson, I guess. Yeah. Are there any other preventative measures you take now? Extra locks or anything? Or? Um, not really. I mean, our trailer is locked up pretty well always. Um, you know, it's like the thing that sucks about windows, there's not much else you can do. I mean, you can get an alarm system, but like someone breaks a window, they break a window. Yeah. Um, there's a few things like uh, equipment insurance. That's one thing that we've done since then. Um, okay. There's also a few... Uh, there's basically these systems you can install like in your trailer and in your van that will connect to your phone and they'll basically send you an alarm and connect to the GPS. I think I think it's like your sprint service. But it's only like thirty dollars a month and it's pay as you go. We might do one of those things depending on where we go on tour and stuff just in case I mean there's been bands recently that have had their entire rig stolen. Thanks for listening to Off The Record. If you enjoy the show, the best way to say thank you is to share this episode on social media, whether it's your Twitter, your Facebook, your Tumblr, your whatever, and just tell your friends. We just want the word to spread. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, it's at OffTheRecordFM. You can get show notes, explore old episodes at OffTheRecord.FM. If you think we should be talking about something, please let us know with the hashtag TellOTR on Twitter or ask us via Tumblr at OffTheRecord.FM. This episode was produced by Jesse Cannon and Ashley Aaron. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week.